Next, I'd like to introduce. What can I say about my brother Daniel that hasn't already been said dozens of times in police reports? Good and terrible. You hold your breath when Shaquille O'Neal comes careening into your lap. He's going to give a special greeting to Daniel Baldwin right here. Davis Brothers should have a boxing match against the Baldwin Brothers. Really? We'll take them out in the first round. Who would you take on? Youngest, medium, old. On all three of them, actually. Now that I really think, yeah, I wouldn't need any help. I think you two dudes are going to become real homies. Where do we find these guys? Oh, man, I hate those guys. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Went after it. Hey, you did. Indeed, I did. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Daniel Baldwin Show. Josh, Josh, big things happening for you and I today. Today is a massive show. It has has been massive. It has been massive. At the break, I'm going to jump ahead to tell you, at the break, we are going to play our first round, and we hope to do this on most Fridays, of Mystery Guest. Okay. The Mystery Guest, here's the rules. The Mystery Guest is going to call in and... Mm. We'll field the mystery guest. We will put him on the air, and I will give you one hint, and you will address the mystery guest yourself with five questions, and five questions only. Is it somebody I could I could guess? You will address the mystery guest. <laughs> no, he's already asking a question, I trying am, to get I'm me trying, to see. Is he bigger than a bird box? Mm. Is she smaller than a mousetrap? I think it's a he because you you've said he a couple of times. So 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 okay. See what I mean? He's trying to play me now for mm. the of course. I may be a step ahead of him, misleading him, trying to say, um, did you play for, and then he's going to name something, of course, because it's a female swimmer, he will have wasted one of his questions. So, you're going to get five questions. At the end of the answer of the fifth question, I'm going to ask you, Josh, Mm. to name the mystery guest. You told uh, Seth and Larry who it was, and Seth knew who it was. So that that leans me towards sports because if it's a if it's a like a TV movie guy, Seth doesn't know anything about a TV TVs or movies. movie guy. If it is because <laughs> Seth doesn't know anything, he hasn't seen any movies. Is it Tommy Shikapakwi, <laughs> who was an extra in Friends? That's what I'm saying. That's what yeah. I don't know how yes. it's going to go well, down. It's possible. It's possible. Let's jump right to something very very influential and amazing that happened today. Josh, tell them where we were today. We were at lunch with Coach Jim Beheim, head coach of your Syracuse men's basketball team. It was pretty cool, actually. It was awesome. Um, um, I got to get introduced because this is a new show, and uh, and the great one, Ed Levine, mm. uh, he pulled some strings because he was paying the tab. And, uh, and, and I got to go up and see uh, Jim, who I've known for, oh gosh, since he started coaching at Syracuse. Many, many years. Long time, since I'm a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, I've always had a great relationship with him. It's interesting to see somebody that you've known as a friend um, and, and someone who I've, you know, done celebrity and charity events golfing with, and he's helped. He's always been very, very generous. He and his wife, uh, Julie, are, you know, incredibly kind people, and they've really given a lot back with his foundation, of which... I think she does a lot of the legwork for him. I'm pretty sure she runs most of that because he's obviously busy coaching. Um, uh, but they've been very, very present for my mom's fund to raise money and awareness for breast cancer. So, uh, But it's an interesting dynamic to be actually someone who I asked my first head coach a question at the press conference. As a radio host, Daniel Baldwin had I a did. radio host question. And it had... Um, 
it, it had a weird feel to it, only because I've had a relationship with Jim. Not that we're great friends or anything, but I mean, I've known him You know personally. him socially, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, even more than that. When you play uh, rounds of golf several mm-hmm. times with someone, you spend six hours with them, sure. you get to know them a little bit better. And when you're the two, you know, and I say this lightly when it comes to me, celebrities in the group, mm-hmm. um, you know, y- you have a tendency to bond with that guy more and, and spend more time with him. But to be the one that, uh, and the question I asked was my biggest concern for Syracuse basketball this year. As we watch them play against Cornell and against some of the preseason games against teams that, you know, they're, they're actually going to be as big or bigger than some of those teams. But when you start getting into even Iona and beyond that into deep into the ACC when you're playing during the regular season, how are you going to match up when you're a perimeter shooting team, very perimeter dependent and three-point dependent? against teams that have three guys that are 6'10 and bigger in the lineup. Uh, you know, a Kansas is going to throw some bodies at them. Mm-hmm. Uh, most, you know, Duke is going to come, and then they're going to, and they're going to, they play Duke away this year. So, you know, that's going to be a formidable front. Their guards are 6'9", for God's sake. So, um, you know, what are you going to do about, I think the statistic that usually tells you, besides points, is rebounds. How are you going to rebound against teams that are so much bigger than you and, and, and he had an interesting answer. He said, well, I realize that's going to be our weakest point. So, I, I mean, I, that's where I mean that it was a little strange for me because I knew as somebody who was trying to report on sports um, accurately, mm-hmm. and I do know quite a bit about sports for an actor, um, I see that as their biggest weakness. So I hit him where it hurt, you know, to see what his response was going to be because mm-hmm. that's my main concern for Syracuse. I just don't see them unless they're – uh, you know, just feverishly crashing the board. The guards are running to grab those extra loose balls that get tipped. And, you know, if they can make it up by grabbing seven or eight of those, uh, you know, uh, a game and and, uh, and boxing out really, really hard and working hard to get the balls that they can possibly get, they're never going to get the ones up by the hole. They're just not going to get them. They're not big enough. They don't have a presence inside. They're playing a perimeter game, snapping the ball back and forth. Mm-hmm. But he had an inter- interesting response. He said, you know, we're going to drive quite a bit. So when we drive, we want to get them into foul trouble, which makes them more conscious of the fact that they want to be careful under the boards when they're knocking into people or they're going to foul out of the game, which is an interesting weapon and a way to look at how you can neutralize this problem some. So, uh, you know, you learn something, too, from a guy that has that kind of basketball mind. How, what can I do as David against Goliath when it comes to rebounding to make this a closer playing field? And that was his answer. And he also made a lot of good points that there's a lot of good teams this year. He said that, yeah. too. He said, you know, uh, games like Iona, we should blow them out by 15, 20 points, and they keep it closer. He says there's a lot of good kids out there. And he, and he pointed out that a lot of – usually where he's got some veterans on his squad – to kind of help the younger kids, and they're at least got they've got more playing time than the other teams. It's kind of reversed this year. The other teams got the vets, and he's got a lot of the younger guys. Yeah, his point. Uh, you're right. His point was that you know if I'm throwing two seniors and two juniors, you know at least coming off the bench to play. So, but I've got a lot of guys that are playing that are freshmen and sophomores with only one guy who's a senior. So where it evens the playing field against teams that aren't traditionally going to give Syracuse a close game is that those teams, a lot of them have three seniors in the starting lineup and two juniors. 
So now those guys' experience neutralizes Syracuse's better athletic talent because they aren't veteran players on mm-hmm. Syracuse's team now. Which, you know, there's one thing to look at for that. When they get a little playing time, they should start to play better into the season as they get a couple of games under their belt, which is, will be a good thing to look forward to. And also, he's grooming and building a future for the program. If he can keep the players, that's the biggest problem in, in college basketball. So many guys jump after the first year if they're that good or they have an opportunity to play even in Europe and then jump to the NBA. It's hard to hold a student athlete for four years now if he's a gifted athlete in basketball. It's uh, the Daniel Baldwin Show here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. 288-0644 is that text line if you'd like to get involved. And he he did did kind of jab at a guy, and I really enjoyed it. When when people ask Jim Boeheim questions— Prepare yourself for his response. Oh, because yeah. today at the launch, and it's a great launch. We, uh, like you said, the great one Ed Levine puts it on every year for partners of uh, ESPN, and you know you get to come out, meet the coach, and have a nice lunch. And one of the guys who was there and innocently asked, "Why don't you play the full court press more? Why don't you put on the full court press more?" <laughs> and Jim Beheim today on his birthday replied with a simple, "You don't know s." <laughs> Yeah, that was why when I walked up, because you see, he went on this long monologue of, you know, it's really easy on a Sunday morning exactly. to, to watch, you watch Saturday's games. Why didn't he substitute this guy? And he put up an interesting analogy between the other sports, mm-hmm. which I found very compelling to his argument. He said, you know, if you're watching a baseball game, there's a pause between every single pitch. He said, well, you know, and, and there's and there's timeouts and you can walk out to the mound and you can do all this different stuff. And there's a, an exchange of inning half innings when they take the field. There's a lot of time to to make those types of decisions, game situation decisions. Now, in football, there's a snap that starts the play with multiple seconds that go by in between plays. There's timeouts. There's four quarters. You know, there's all these breaks. Basketball in college has a halftime. Yeah. Otherwise, the game is going on in front of you, and you're making you're waiting for a whistle to blow in mm-hmm. order for you to substitute a guy. You may be stuck with a guy out there that's hurt a little bit. You may be stuck with a guy out there that's the wrong guy to play defense versus an offensive shooter who's smaller, and you want to sub him out. You don't want to waste that time out to get him off the floor. Or when do you go into you know full court pressure or half court trap or whatever it is the defense you want to do? And of course, being an armchair quarterback, his point I think was that guys sit there on a Sunday and you think it's really easy for you to make it. His best line, I thought, was, you don't think I want to win the game? Exactly right, yes. Of course, I'm making every possible decision I can in order to win the game. He said, I played basketball since I'm five years old. I used to practice out in the snow. Mm -hmm. I became an assistant coach for free here for five years. I was also the golf coach for some time at Syracuse University. Finally, I got an assistant job, and as the interim coach for the last 41 years, because they never announced he was the head coach, <laughs> he, said, he said, after, after I'm now the interim coach for 41 years, he said, believe me, I know more than you do about how, what I'm supposed to be doing out there on the floor, which is why when they introduced me right after that, I walked up and I said, actually, he's not telling the truth. I know more than Jim Beheim does, just not about basketball. But he's right in the <laughs> fact that there's, uh, he's right in that that guy shirt guy meant innocent was innocent but he goes he goes I don't know much about a lot but I know a lot about basketball right. he goes just because I've watched ER and Grey's Anatomy doesn't mean I'm going to perform surgery on somebody right, right. that was his do, comparison he was he was he was going to do open heart surgery yeah, he he's goes, watched several episodes he goes just because I watched something he goes I don't know much about a lot but I know a lot about basketball I know more than you about basketball yeah and that's the funny thing too that uh, uh, when you play a role in my profession 
when you play a role in a movie, you usually don't walk out after those 12 weeks or whatever it is that you did thinking you're that guy. Yeah. But the difference is when you do a TV series and you play that guy for eight months for six years, oh, you think you're in a th- you're a tough guy. Sure, you sure, think sure. you're a cop. All the guys in Sopranos are still traveling around acting like they're in the mafia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every one of them. Yeah, they, they all they all <laughs> still using their mafia names a- from the show. Absolutely. Yeah. Big, big, skinny, this yeah, one, right, that one. Yeah. yeah, they're all over the place. They're all over the place. Yeah, they think they're in the mafia. But I think Beheim is right. I think it's so easy for us to just go, well, why didn't you do that? Why well, why don't you play more man? Why, why don't you do this? And he goes, I, don't you think I know what I'm doing out there? Right. And right. he's so right. Yeah, he is. He's the man. You know, I'll always say this. Uh, my analogy to him and what he's been able to accomplish up here, and this is no, you know, this is just a mathematics thing. To be in Syracuse versus, uh, you know, being in a place that's closer to a city that has millions of people, that has network television, you know, relationships, and also I think it does work against us from a recruiting standpoint to some extent. The fact that the weather is what it is up mm-hmm. here in the winter to attract a college athlete to come here, um, but. Uh, you know, I, I look at uh, I look at different guys, um, you know, outside of sports and what they've been able to accomplish. There's no coincidence that when a guy wants to become an artist, he moves to New York. Mm-hmm. You know, he moves to the city. Yeah. He moves where he gets that exposure, mm-hmm. you know. So Jim has done an amazing job. Um, he's a legend up here. And, and, you know, I don't really think, honestly, when I look on paper, and that does not mean because when I, when I saw the Carmelo Anthony team, I never would have told you they were even going to go to the NCAA. I, I would have bet they were yeah. going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Well, actually, that's not true because I bet them to win it all. But, um, <laughs> Story but, for another but, day. But, but, you, but you, you, you realize what I'm saying. And yeah. So this year, I think, is a building year. I think if they win 20 games, that's, that's a lofty expectation, and that would probably make them a bubble team to get to the tournament. Um, unfortunately for him, because he's been able to take teams uh, you know, in a market like Syracuse and win it all, that anything less than going to the tournament and, and, and doing well in the tournament. I think that if you don't go to the Elite Eight as a Syracuse student and a Syracuse fan, you're probably disappointed. Yeah. Just because they've been spoiled of going to the Final Four several mm-hmm. times. Uh, you know, and, and um, you know, anything less than that is kind of like, oh, okay. But if you don't go to the tournament up here, I would say that's the probably the measuring stick. Yeah, know? NIT years are bummer years. Yeah, yeah. So, so and, and you know what? We're going to be one of those, again, 19, you know, if we squeeze that out and we're on the bubble with a couple of big, look, if we go down to Duke and beat Duke, we could win 18 games and go to the tournament mm. for sure. But if you don't have one of those quality wins, you know, against a really, really massive team, uh, and I just don't know they have the horses yet. I don't know that they have the horses yet to expect 20 wins this year. Well, we'll keep talking Syracuse sports. Uh, other side of this, we'll talk football. As tomorrow they head into Louisville to battle Louisville. I, I have some clips from Babers. I talked to him this morning on the other station, and uh, he talked a little bit about the things we've been talking about. So we'll get into all of that coming up next. Two eight eight zero six four four is the direct text line right here to Daniel Baldwin. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. Sunday, the Giants are home against the Chiefs. Pre-game at noon, Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey now! And we're back. We're live and we're going right to Coach Babers. Joshy Josh was in his jock today. Go, Josh. <laughs> I was in my jock today and uh, I was in his jock. We were everybody's in everybody's jock. Well, we were talking about a couple of different things uh, the, this morning on the on the morning show when I was talking with Coach Babers, and I asked him a bunch of questions that we had been asking here on the air. Um, for example, how do you score that many points 
and still lose. I mean, you were bringing it up, 43 points, and you still lose the game. Well, here's his first response. There you go, Larry. You know, it kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of that game against Pittsburgh. It's an anomaly. Anomaly. You can't. I can't explain it. You know what I mean? You think that if you score that many points with your backup quarterback, you're going to have an opportunity to win. Uh, obviously, I don't feel that that's uh, indicative of how our defense has been playing all year. Our defense has been outstanding, and I just look at that game as a happening. I can't. Uh, it's hard to explain. You can't explain it. Uh, Hopefully it doesn't happen again, and we can go out and play the type of defense that we're accustomed to play. You know, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm sure he's trying to find you know the uh, the bright side of all this, but um, no, there's a distinct difference between what happened in Pittsburgh, where they won by three points on a field goal, 27-24, I believe the score of that game was, and it was a close game, um, than um, losing and giving up 24 consecutive points in the fourth quarter after having the lead twice, you know, uh, no, there, there's, a, there's a significant difference between the two. I can't say I agree with Coach on that one. So there were, um, you know, the, the linemen, the defensive linemen definitely got tired, um, and I think that there's the, the size of the, the interior defensive linemen, they were getting pushed back quite a bit by, mm-hmm. the, by the offensive line of Wake. Um, you know, and now you have an athlete who has already won a Heisman Trophy, who lit them up for 600 total yards, yards last year on the road in the Dome. And I'm sure Lamar is licking his chops right now to be home against SU. So I don't think that if Dungy doesn't start, that that's – I think that actually that might be an advantage. I, I – all in all, watching the experience and watching how he throws the ball versus um, Lamar's running. And I, I actually like the way Mahoney throws it better. I do. I think he gives him a better chance to win the game. Um, I, 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 I'm pretty sure that when they list him now as a game-time decision whether or not Dungy's going to play, that's the death sentence. You know yeah, I, mean? I don't think he's playing. Yeah, he's not playing. He was walking around with an air cast on the sidelines on Saturday, um, I think they're probably looking at will he be available to play if it matters against BC. Um, if they were to win this game in Louisville and Dungy could play and that meant going to a bowl game, otherwise I don't think Dungy goes under center again the rest of the year. Mahoney was a starter before. You know, let's let him go out as a senior. Let's protect Dungy's. I, I you know, some people are saying. I heard Paulie saying it's his toe. That he yeah, people that have been rumoring it's his toe. It's I, we toe. don't know, but. Sergeant Holka, the big toe. The Sarge is a reference to toe, yeah. Yeah, I, I heard it was his ankle. Really? Yeah, that's what I heard. It my my inside sources say ankle. Ooh, very, well, I asked him about Mahoney because I said, like, I basically, I flat out said, Dungy's out, right? And he goes, he's still listed as, you know, game time decision. Yeah, like, yeah. He's not going to say anything. But um, I said, you can't be too worried having Mahoney. He did a great job, and here's, here's what he said. You know, I, I think that uh, there was a lot of guys on offense that played well, and then now, the one thing is that you have to look at in, is that we played a fantastic first half, but we only scored three points in the second half. And mm. it's like, hey, we well, scored enough points to win. Well, if we scored that many points in the first half, how come we couldn't turn around and score that many points in the second half? So there, it wasn't a perfect game by the offense, by any stretch of the means. You know, they came out, they scored points in the first half, and they scored points in the second half. And as an offense, we have to be able to match them. You know, I, I, I agree with them. You know, I mean, they did score. They seemed to run down the field. So that tells me that at halftime, the adjustments that were made defensively for Wake Forest 
at, were were better than what the offensive coordinator came up with for Syracuse because mm-hmm. they decided what they were going to try to do to stop the fact that Syracuse was running up and down the field equally, if not better at the time, than Wake Forest was. But then that tells me where was the answer for Syracuse to make adjustments when Wake tweaked their defense. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got you've got to be able to continue to move around unless you're just doing what they did, which is blowing you off the line of scrimmage. They ran the ball at like seven yards a clip. I mean, it was just it was it was bad. Um, you know, I don't see Louisville running the ball as effectively. But if they don't contain on the outside perimeter, meaning they've got to squeeze defensive end and outside the defensive end if they play wide you know, on the linebacker or the corners play tight, they're going to have to squeeze the quarterback for Louisville in so he can't get outside the pocket. That takes him rolling out and running outside away from them and sends him to have to run through the tackles or in between the center and guard where they have bodies. And, and, he, and you know, if he breaks one, he breaks one. But if you let that kid get outside where he still has the ball in his hand and can throw it while he's running, you're giving the cornerback a read of having to come up and step up and stop eight yards or to, or to let a guy be wide open because he can throw it on the run well. This, kid's, this kid can really play. So I see it as containment of the quarterback. And again, special teams are going to be imperative in this game. It's going to be a close game. If we, if we could win the game, which I, I don't give us a lot of probability to win it. With, I don't. I think that we're in trouble. Uh, final clip here uh, from Babers is uh, we talked about the weather tomorrow. Because like you said, special teams, it's come down to kicks. Mm-hmm. And you've got two quarterbacks that, that like to throw the ball. Weather tomorrow at 3.30 in Louisville is supposed to be really windy. Like super windy. And I asked him about that. Rain doesn't affect the throwing game. What does affect the throwing game is wind. Mm-hmm. And wind will affect a football game if you don't have if you don't understand what the elements can do to a ball, especially when it's supposed to be thrown one place and, and it can move it six, seven, eight inches, it could have a major impact. Now that wind, you know, since it's a godly wind, is going to be blowing on both sides and it's going to be affecting both teams during the day. I like that. It's a godly it's wind. It's a godly wind. <laughs> yeah. It's a godly wind. It's a godly wind. It's a mighty wind. It is a mighty wind. It's a mighty wind. So, so uh, what did that really mean? I'm trying to train. I, I mean, I'm just saying he just because I, I just asked how's the ball get affected. He says it does affect the ball, but it's going to affect both quarterbacks. Isn't like one of those big Baptist pre- and if you do, you do. No, and if you don't, <laughs> you don't. Course, if you don't, brother, you don't. They head down to Louisville tomorrow. Of course, that game is on our uh, brother station TK99, and of course ESPN Radio uh, AM 3:30 kickoff tomorrow. And you're you're not you're not hopeful for it. Yeah, listen, by no means am I suggesting that Syracuse can't win this game. They can. They absolutely can. I think it's going to – I like the fact that there's going to be blustering wind and some Mm -hmm. rain and some stuff because I think all of that does affect – You know, Coach Babers um, said that uh, the rain doesn't affect – well, of course the rain does affect the throwing game, in my my opinion. The ball becomes heavier. The ball becomes slicker. uh, The ball comes out of people's hands when it comes to fumbling. You miss passes that – you know, you might have been able to pull down with one hand. Any of those circus catches are usually out in the rain. Uh, you know, snapping the ball becomes a very, very important thing. Long snapping holds when you uh, when you put them down for a field goal kicker. You know, so, so I, I beg to differ that it does. Now, the wind absolutely has a major effect on a kicking game. Why? Because the ball goes so much higher in the air for the wind to affect it. Mm-hmm. You're in a stadium that breaks the wind to some point, but when you start kicking and punting a ball where it's 80 yards up into the air, absolutely that can affect it. And you can, you can kick one that goes out of bounds, 10, 15, 20 yards. That's a difference. 
That's a big difference. Getting the ball on the 15 or getting the ball on the 30, you know, it's a, it's a significant difference field position-wise. And, of course, kicking a field goal, you know, if it gets down to a game that's tight and it matters, you're going to – I guarantee whoever selects uh, – whoever wins the toss is taking the fourth quarter of the win to their back. Do you think that, they, that this team who practices inside plays home games inside is going to be upset and it's going to affect their play substantially? It's looking at – Definitely rain, twenty three mile an hour winds. The only, the only chilly. No, I I don't think because they play in a dome. Um, That's not the factor. The factor that affects is when Florida teams come up to Boston. Yeah, those guys get affected. Their blood, you know, they gotta they've got to wear extra garments to keep them warm, which slows them down some. You know, absolutely, how you play in really really cold weather, and and to some extent, when you go down to a very humid and hot climate. It can affect you as an athlete if you're not if you're not used to it. So if you're coming out of you know New York, uh, Penn State's going down to play in LSU early in the year and they have a, a you know inordinately hot 95 degree day in a stadium. Remember all that body heat and all the people in the stadium affects. So yeah, when you're when you play in the Super Bowl in Miami, you're playing in weather you know that that can be quite warm compared to a guy who plays for the Minnesota Vikings. Right, 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 right. You know, so that's going to affect those guys. To, I think hot and cold extremes can have a decisive effect in the game. Listen, you know those classic football games that they played. We're in Lambeau. Yeah. You know, and you know the the Ice Bowl game that they talk about. You know, Dallas against Green Bay, and um, you know those games. You know, it, they were you know nine to six. You know I mean? yeah, right, you know, right. They had 14 yards of total offense. Yeah, you know? nobody was moving. No, my God, they fell on each other. It was so freaking cold. So second half of the Daniel Baldwin show, we will place a celebrity guest, who yeah. I will have to guess who that is, and of course we'll talk NFL. You better go to break because the celebrity guest is calling. I am ready show. right now. All right, we'll go to break. We'll come back. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. Did you miss In the Booth with Matt Park? A Japanese train company is apologizing for an early departure. I enjoy punctuality. I cannot stand people that aren't on time. As somebody who suffered from early departure, 20 seconds is not bad. Did you just admit to having early departure problems? Yeah, everybody, everybody suffered from early departure at some point. In the Booth, two to three weekdays. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Sunday, the Giants are home against the Chiefs. Pre-game at noon, Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. Hey now! And we're back. We're live, and we're going right to Coach Babers. Joshy Josh was in his jock today. Go, Josh. <laughs> I was in my jock today, and uh, I was in his jock. We were everybody's in everybody's jock. Well, we were talking about a couple of different things uh, the, this morning on the on the morning show when I was talking with Coach Babers, and I asked him a bunch of questions that we had been asking here on the air. Um, for example, how do you score that many points and still lose? I mean, you were bringing it up, 43 points, and you still lose the game. Well, here's his first response. There you go, Larry. You know, it kind of it kind of reminds me a little bit of that game against Pittsburgh. It's an anomaly. Anomaly. You can't. I can't explain it. You know what I mean? You think that if you score that many points with your backup quarterback, you're going to have an opportunity to win. Uh, obviously, I don't feel that that's uh, indicative of how our defense has been playing all year. Our defense has been outstanding, and I just look at that game as a happening. I can't. Uh, it's hard to explain. You can't explain it. Uh, 
hopefully it doesn't happen again mm. and we can go out and play the type of defense that we're accustomed to playing. You know, I, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm sure he's trying to find, you know, the uh, the bright side of all this. But um, no, there's a distinct difference between what happened in Pittsburgh, where they won by three points on a field goal, 27-24, I believe the score of that game was, and it was a close game, um, than um, losing and giving up 24 consecutive points in the fourth quarter after having the lead twice. You know, uh, no, there, there's, a, there's a significant difference between the two. I can't say I agree with Coach on that one. So there were, um, you know, the, the linemen, the defensive linemen definitely got tired. Um, and I think that there's the, the size of the, the interior defensive linemen, they were getting pushed back quite a bit by, mm-hmm. the, by the offensive line of Wake. Um, you know, now you have an athlete who has already won a Heisman Trophy who lit them up for 600 total yards, yards last year on the road in the Dome. And I'm sure Lamar is licking his chops right now to be home against SU. So I don't think that if Dungy doesn't start, that that's – I think that actually that might be an advantage. I, I All in all, watching the experience and watching how he throws the ball versus um, – Lamar's running and everything. I I actually like the way Mahoney throws it better. I do. I think he gives him a better chance to win the game. Um, I I I I'm pretty sure that when they list him now as a game time decision, whether or not Dungy's going to play, that's the death sentence. You know yeah, I, mean? I don't think he's playing. Yeah, he's not playing. He was walking around with an air cast on the sidelines on Saturday. Um, I think they're probably looking at. Will he be available to play if it matters against BC? Um, if they were to win this game in Louisville and Dungy could play, and that meant going to a bowl game, otherwise I don't think Dungy goes under center again the rest of the year. Mahoney was a starter before. You know, let's let him go out as a senior. Let's protect Dungy's. I, I you know, some people are saying. I heard Paulie saying it's his toe. That he yeah, people that have been rumoring it's his toe. It's I, we toe. don't know, but. Sergeant Holka, the big toe. The Sarge is a reference to toe, yeah. Yeah, I, I heard it was his ankle. Really? Yeah, that's what I heard. It my can, my inside sources say ankle. Ooh, very, well, I asked him about Mahoney because I said, like, I basically, I flat out said, Dungy's out, right? And he goes, he's still listed as, you know, game time decision. Yeah, like yeah. He's not going to say anything. But um, I said, you can't be too worried having Mahoney. He did a great job, and here's here's what he said. You know, I, I think that uh, there was a lot of guys on offense that played well, and then now, the one thing is that you have to look at in, is that we played a fantastic first half, but we only scored three points in the second half. And mm. it's like, hey, we well, scored enough points to win. Well, if we scored that many points in the first half, how come we couldn't turn around and score that many points in the second half? So there, it wasn't a perfect game by the offense, by any stretch of the means. You know, they came out, they scored points in the first half, and they scored points in the second half. And as an offense, we have to be able to match them. You know, I, 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 I agree with them. You know, I mean, they did score. They seemed to run down the field. So that tells me that at halftime, the adjustments that were made defensively for Wake Forest at, were, were better than what the offensive coordinator came up with for Syracuse because mm-hmm. they decided what they were going to try to do to stop the fact that Syracuse was running up and down the field equally, if not better at the time than Wake Forest was. But then that tells me where was the answer for Syracuse to make adjustments when Wake tweaked their defense. I mean, mm-hmm. you've, got, you've got to be able to continue to move around unless you're just doing what they did, which is blowing you off the line of scrimmage. They ran the ball at like seven yards a clip. I mean, it was just it was, it was bad. Um, you know, I don't see 
Louisville running the ball as effectively. But if they don't contain on the outside perimeter, meaning they've got to squeeze defensive end and outside the defensive end if they play wide you know, on the linebacker or the corners play tight, they're going to have to squeeze the quarterback for Louisville in so he can't get outside the pocket. That takes him rolling out and running outside away from them and sends him to have to run through the tackles or in between the center and guard where they have bodies. And, and, he, and you know, if he breaks one, he breaks one. But if you let that kid get outside where he still has the ball in his hand and can throw it while he's running, you're giving the cornerback a read of having to come up and step up and stop eight yards or to, or to let a guy be wide open because he can throw it on the run well. This, kid's, this kid can really play. So I see it as containment of the quarterback. And again, special teams are going to be imperative in this game. It's going to be a close game. If we, if we could win the game, which I, I don't give us a lot of probability to win it. With, I don't. I think that we're in trouble. Uh, final clip here uh, from Babers is uh, we talked about the weather tomorrow. Because like you said, special teams, it's come down to kicks. Mm-hmm. And you've got two quarterbacks that, that like to throw the ball. Weather tomorrow at 3.30 in Louisville is supposed to be really windy. Like super windy. And I asked him about that. Rain doesn't affect the throwing game. What does affect the throwing game is wind. Mm-hmm. And wind will affect a football game if you don't have, if you don't understand what the elements can do to a ball, especially when it's supposed to be thrown one place and, and it can move it six, seven, eight inches, it could have a major impact. Now, that wind, you know, since it's a godly wind, is going to be blowing on both sides and it's going to be affecting both teams during the day. I like that. It's a godly it's wind. It's a godly wind. <laughs> yeah. It's a godly wind. It's a godly wind. <laughs> it's a mighty wind. It is a mighty wind. It's a mighty wind. So, so uh, what did that really mean? I'm trying to translate. I, I mean, I just say he just, because I, I just asked, how's the ball get affected? He says it does affect the ball, but it's going to affect both quarterbacks. Isn't like one of those big Baptist pre- And if you do. You do. No, and if you don't. <laughs> you don't. Of course, if you don't, brother. Don't. They head down to Louisville tomorrow. Of course, that game is on our uh, brother station TK ninety nine, and of course ESPN Radio uh, AM three thirty kickoff tomorrow. And you're you're not you're not hopeful for it. Yeah, no, listen. I'm, by no means am I suggesting that Syracuse can't win this game. They can. They absolutely can. I think it's going to. Uh, I like the fact that there's going to be blustering wind and some mm-hmm. rain and some stuff because I think all of that does affect. He's, you know, Coach Babers um, said that. Uh, the rain doesn't affect. Well, of course, the rain does affect the throwing game. In my in my opinion, the ball becomes heavier. The ball becomes slicker. Uh, the ball comes out of people's hands when it comes to fumbling. You miss passes that you know you might have been able to pull down with one hand. Any of those circus catches are usually out in the rain. Uh, you know, snapping the ball becomes a very very important thing. Long snapping holds when you uh, when you put them down for a field goal kicker. So, so I, I beg to differ that it does. Now, the wind absolutely has a major effect on a kicking game. Why? Because the ball goes so much higher in the air for the wind to affect it. Mm-hmm. You're in a stadium that breaks the wind to some point. But when you start kicking and punting a ball where it's 80 yards up into the air, absolutely that can affect it. And you can, you can kick one that goes out of bounds, 10, 15, 20 yards. That's a difference. That's a big difference. Getting the ball on the 15 or getting the ball on the 30 you know, it's a, it's a significant difference field position-wise. And, of course, kicking a field goal, you know, if it gets down to a game that's tight and it matters, you're going to – I guarantee whoever selects uh, – whoever wins the toss is taking the fourth quarter of the win to their back. Do you think that they that this team who practices inside, plays home games inside, is going to be upset and it's going to affect their play substantially? It's looking at – Definitely rain, twenty three mile an hour winds. The only, the only chilly. N- no, I, I don't think because they play in a dome. Um, it, that's not the factor. 
the factor that affects is when Florida teams come up to Boston. Yeah. Those guys get affected. Their blood, you know, they've got to they've got to wear extra garments to keep them warm, which slows them down some. You know, absolutely, how you play in really really cold weather, and and to some extent, when you go down to a very humid and hot climate, it can affect you as an athlete if you're not if you're not used to it. So if you're coming out of you know New York, uh, Penn State's going down to play in LSU early in the year and they have a, a you know inordinately hot 95 degree day in a stadium remember all that body heat and all the people in the stadium affects so yeah when you're when you play in the Super Bowl in Miami you're playing in weather you know that that can be quite warm compared to a guy who plays for the Minnesota Vikings right right right, right. you know so that's going to affect those guys so I think hot and cold extremes can have a decisive effect in the game. Listen, you know those classic football games that they played. We're in Lambeau, yeah. you know, and you know the the Ice Bowl game that they talk about. You know, Dallas against Green Bay, and um, you know those games. You know, it, they were you know nine to six. You know, what I mean, yeah, right, <laughs> right. You know, they had fourteen yards of total offense. Yeah, nobody know? was moving. No, my God, they fell on each other. It was so freaking cold. So, second half of the Daniel Baldwin Trail, we will place. Uh, Celebrity guest, who yeah. I will have to guess who that is. And, of course, we'll talk NFL. You better go to break because the celebrity guest is calling. I am ready right now. All right, we'll go to break. We'll come back. This is ESPN Radio Syracuse. Did you miss In the Booth with Matt Park? A Japanese train company is apologizing for an early departure. I enjoy punctuality. I cannot stand people that aren't on time. As somebody who suffered from early departure, 20 seconds is not bad. Did you just admit to having early departure problems? Yeah, everybody, everybody suffered from early departure at some point. In the Booth, two to three weekdays. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Sunday, the Giants are home against the Chiefs. Pre-game at noon, Big Blue plays here. ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is the Daniel Baldwin Show. All right, we've got one minute, Daniel. I'm going to fire these off at fire you. It. NFL matches this Sunday. Jaguars-Browns. Jaguars. Buccaneers, Dolphins. Dolphins. Ravens, Packers. Ravens. Lions, Bears. Oh, my. Um, (laughs) uh, Lions. Rams, Vikings. Rams. Cardinals, Texans. Cardinals. Chiefs, Giants. Chiefs. Redskins, Saints. Saints. Bills, Chargers. Chargers. Bengals, Broncos. Bengals, Broncos, Broncos. Patriots, Raiders. Raiders. Eagles, Cowboys. Eagles. And then finally, Falcons, Seahawks. Falcons. All right, there you go. Thank you so much, Andre Reed. Hall of Famer Andre Reed for calling in. I'm, ooh, I look forward to checking those fired off guesses. You didn't get to overthink it. I liked it so much. Brent Axe is up next. Daniel and I will return Monday. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend, all right? We'll hand it over. Brent Axe up next on ESPN Radio, Syracuse.